Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 374. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcut, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local. Ah, what a week. How's yours been, bud? Mine has been pretty nuts, but uh, not good kind of nuts. Good. <laughs> like, well, like cashews. Good. Oh, cashews are good. I quite yeah. agree. I can deal with those nuts, too. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> let's just jump right into this. Um, Mike Blumenthal has written something on his blog. Good luck finding it, but it is, <laughs> it's been written because <laughs> as he said before, he doesn't want to publish or make it easy to find apparently. So um, in any case, it is very interesting. Google has rolled out a business provider plan to replace trusted verifier program, the trusted verifier program. So what this was is Google had a program where you could, um, become a trusted verifier. I never knew much about this, frankly. Um, but the idea was that a, a, a single entity could become a trusted verifier and verify different businesses underneath them. Well, now they've changed it. It's called, um, uh, the business, uh, what's it called here? Exactly called my business is providers. Gotcha. So is that like a re for like agencies that have multiple clients that they're working with and they say, okay, I'm going to verify this because I'm a trusted provider. Now they have to become a, my business provider. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The business provider program I'll read here. Uh, quoting Mike is designed to let organizations like chambers of commerce or banks with small business clients to facilitate a Google, my business verification for their members or clients. Unquote. So agencies aren't allowed to do it anymore. It doesn't think seem that, that way. It seems like an agency who's working with hundreds of small businesses um, would be a pretty decent place to have that happen. Yeah. Agencies, SEOs, and resellers are not eligible for this program. Um, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's specifically stated in the FAQ. Uh, to quote again, Google notes that various providers such as banks, auto dealers, delivery and distribution companies, telephone companies, tourism and governmental organizations, malls, airports, etc., that offer real world services are eligible to apply for the My Business Provider program. So is I'm Google quote. saying SEO is not a real world service? <laughs> That's what I heard too. That's what I heard. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> so, well, neither are they, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm, wish they didn't have more money. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So my uh, take... My takeaway from this whole my takeaway from this whole thing is Google hates SEOs. Yes. What's new, right? They're just putting it out there. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, you know, I can't blame them. There's very few and far between companies that they can be guaranteed aren't going to be spamming. Um, I mean, hell, they could pick Stepforth and they wouldn't. Not like they would, but they could, and they could never be certain, right? I mean, we'd say we wouldn't, but. Uh. <sighs> too easy to corrupt maybe i don't know but these other companies wouldn't have a very good job of or wouldn't probably do a very good job of moderating what potential spam happened either and um uh and that's actually how um mike ends this he says 
It was long thought that trusted, the trusted verifier program was an ongoing source of local listing spam. It's not clear what, if any additional protections Google put in place to prevent this program from becoming the same. Yeah, so. mm. uh, anyway, we'll see how that goes, but uh, apparently it needed a new name. I don't know what else really changed um, from trusted verifier program to business provider program, but maybe it was like uh, Google Webmaster Tools to Google uh, Search Console. Who knows? Yeah. Well, um, I feel sorry for you because it'll make your life a little bit more difficult, but being in-house now, I, I don't have to worry about it. It doesn't make my life any more difficult. I, I never was a trusted verifier. <laughs> I always had to go and do it the, as the business in, on their behalf. So it doesn't make any oh, difference. You don't, do, you don't use services like SweetIQ or um, WhiteSpark or any of that to do local um, verification? No. I do citations uh, through those. Oh, not SweetIQ, but uh, Bright Local sometimes and we also okay. do them by hand so but when it comes to actually registering with google my business we only do that manually with directly yeah, the there's, other there's a there's a lot of agencies that outsource that to companies like white spark and bright local and sweet mm. iq they they offer those as services and a lot of agencies use that service um, just because it's simpler for them but apparently they're going to have to learn to do it the right way there you go i'm glad since we didn't make that ad adaptation because <laughs> we're we're doing it the old school and it works. So. Yeah, good for you. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, on another part of this sort of the local SEO segment, I should have prefaced this with, um, there's a post on the local search forum by Joy Hawkins. Um, she was saying that, on, I'm just going to it here. Um, in Google Maps, when, for example, she used the, the example, of she did a search for game, Games Rooms Toronto, she saw a ad or a, a local business, but below the business was a, seems random, a link to an article. Um, in this case, Canada Foodie Bucket, 21 dishes to try before you die. And it was this tea and board games place. Like, why the hell would that be? It doesn't seem relevant, right? In this case, there was a, a notation on that page about the Bampot Bohemian House of Tea. Um, so oh. whether or not it was a random unstructured citation that Google noticed and connected the dots, who knows, it seems likely. Um, but she is wondering if anyone can reproduce this or change it or anything, but it's an interesting either test or random occurrence, who knows, but, uh, to see articles being tied to a business uh, within Google map results is uh, an intriguing change of events. I haven't seen that before. Yeah. Huh. See where that goes. Next up, general news. Uh, okay. SEOs share the impact of the Google January 2020 core update. Uh, this is a search engine roundtable uh, article. Um, this uh, core update, I think we neglected to talk about it last episode, I think because it yeah. hadn't actually happened um, quite yet. Uh, it started on January 13th and um, so far, I'm not sure there's been any conclusions. It's too early uh, on what exactly it's impacting. But it is intriguing, though. Um, Barry put together this article, and it's got uh, screenshots of uh, tweets and, and such or, or, or content provided by other SEOs uh, showing how they've either benefited or not benefited from the update. Uh, those are always kind of a, a fun read. 
and, and most of them are not benefited, but that's just not because of the, the update itself, because more people complain when things go wrong than talk about it when things go right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they don't feel compelled to write anything down um, unless they're heavily involved in the industry. It was interesting on the follow-up Google posted a tweet that says, for those who have asked, the update is mostly done though, as with any core updates, it may take up to two weeks to fully complete, which I thought was interesting. So it happened on January 13th. Um, he, so he's saying potentially, what's two weeks? 13th was a Monday. So January 27th looks like when that would be two weeks. So if you haven't seen anything by January 27th, you're probably in the clear. Hopefully. Hopefully oh. in the clear. Although, you know, is it just me or they've also said in the past that, uh, but, you know, sometimes it does take a month. <laughs> or, <laughs> and also, we've seen things take a lot longer than they say to. So, who knows? Yeah, we, we know how uh, specific Google can be about things, right? Yeah. Everything is shades of gray. Exactly. So, I wanted to just take a quick break between these uh, stories to say thank you to uh, listeners who uh, reach out. Um, at step forth and it just sometimes it just email to say thank you and uh for doing the show and i wanted to pass that along to john too they really get nice comments sometimes and and and, and oftentimes in this case of robbie uh a, a lo- another listener um going to be helping out helping him out with his seo and and overall s- strategy so that's really rewarding and i thank everyone any all the listeners out there you can just ask um, I've got free consultations and I, I just love talking to you guys and, and getting to know you and, and seeing if there's anything I can do to help. So, um, and sometimes it's just sharing that how much the show has helped. If you want to do that on our Facebook forum, that would be awesome on our Facebook group, I should say. So thanks again. All right. Um, Google has bought another company called pointy <laughs> uh, pointy is, um, uh, a piece of hardware that brings social, um, sorry, small and medium-sized business inventories online. Uh, now, if you um, listen to the show and you have t- for many years, you uh, will have noticed, I think it was last year, we talked about Pointy because uh, it was an interesting little dongle you could add. And what it does is it attaches to your um, in-store scanner when you're scanning particular hardware items or items you're selling, and it takes note of what you're selling. And it allows you to more easily integrate that content into ads, into an online, um, uh, again, I haven't used this personally, I'm trying to go base this on what I've read, but uh, into a a bit of a database that it creates. And then it uses uh, its own algorithms to determine what they estimate your um, inventory to be. Now, obviously it's gonna be wrong, no matter what they think, but (laughs) it does, if you're selling something a lot, they're going to assume that you're going to have more on, on in uh, in stock. And again, in the article, they say that that's a, a very simplified format <laughs> or version of that explanation. But um, of, of that particular uh, what do you call it? Spec, I guess. Anyways, um, it is a big deal. Uh, what does it mean for for SEO and such? Well, uh, at the end of it, this is a search engine land article. Um, they clearly outline why we care. The pointy acquisition will likely help Google in at least three ways, it says. Quote, provide more structured local inventory data for consumers to find and search. 
generate more advertising revenue over time from independent retailers and help Google more effectively compete with Amazon in product search, unquote. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> this part I kind of question. It says at the end here to sort of summarize it, this is Greg Sterling and, and you know, always writes great stuff, but then it says, one of the reasons that people shop at Amazon is because they can find products they're looking for. They often don't know where to find a particular product locally. But if more inventory data becomes available, the more people may opt to buy from local stores instead. Quote there. And I don't disagree completely, although in my case, there's often a lot of stuff I know where to find in town. I just know it's going to be cheaper <laughs> on Amazon. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I hate that because I want to support local, but uh, well, at least where I live, it's all down to the dollar. It's very, very tight here. So uh, you got it's, it's interesting. I was actually thinking a lot about Amazon over the last week um, in the fact that how did Amazon really become the giant it is? And when you think about it, there's a lot of things, that it, stuff that Amazon has done um, that relates to a lot of other industries that make giants sort of thing. But the big thing is, if you think about the way people communicate, um, started out as one-to-one, -one, and then with the invention of things like the telephone and writing, it became one-to-many. And what Amazon has done is turned this shopping experience into many-to-many, -many, right? Which is, is something that took it to the next level. And there's just a lot of industries you can point to that when they went from one-to-many to many and then changed it to many to many. And th these are these are actually database terms, by the way, one to many, many to many. That's kind of relationships within databases. But when they do it in actual real world um, situations, like Amazon allowed many, many, many different um, product producers or stores communicate with many, many, many different <laughs> customers. That's many, 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 many. <laughs> yeah, that's what took them over the edge. Um, so... I don't think just updating search is going to change the relationship, you know, and help Google compete with Amazon in the shopping space. They're going to have to do a lot more than that. All right. Well, just it's, my opinion. it's, it's a baby step. Hopefully uh, they're not too, uh, too focused on this being the answer, but who knows? Uh, they're brighter people than us in some cases. So <laughs> maybe, but I don't know. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We're going to get into a couple more uh, uh, news points here and then some questions. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY podcasting system. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. It passes before it's noticed. 
a slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. LPO, Landing Page Optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology, and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the Conversion Scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Okay, so Google has rolled out desktop search, a bit of a redesign, uh, with black ad labels fave icons and et cetera. Well, um, and, and this is, okay. So essentially I, I didn't know that this was honestly, when this came out, I thought it was a plugin <laughs> on my really? Chrome. I thought it was something annoyingly adding fave icons. I'm like, damn it. So I started trying to remove them <laughs> because I actually had it way before that was announced. So it was freaking confusing me. Now that this had, I'm like, aha. <laughs> well, they've announced it. They announced it weeks and weeks ago that it was coming. Um, and then uh, just last week, they said it's going to start rolling out uh, this coming week. So you got to pay more attention. Well, no, this has been like <laughs> well, a long time. I've been getting this a, a month and a half. I don't know, two months. Maybe that's been a few weeks. I guess. I don't well, know it's, it's been on mobile for quite some time. It's now just this week rolling out to desktop. Well, see, which, that's just it. I've been getting it on desktop. Well, you probably have your something going on with your desktop that it thinks you're on mobile. Yeah, no, it's full desktop search results. I don't know. Anyway, it's really frustrating, but because uh, I didn't like it, uh, honestly, it was driving me crazy. Um, I find it a distracting. Lot of there's a lot of cynics out there that are saying the reason they're doing it is because they want the ads to blend in with the uh, actual listings more often. And I know you're usually cynical, so that's probably what you're thinking. <laughs> but actually, I think it's more because of how well it works on mobile. They decided to move it over to desktop as well, even though apparently one or two people in the world already had it on desktop. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway it, it it's uh it's interesting i i again i'm i'm a, i'm adapting to it obviously but after so many years it's uh, it's a little bit of a shock especially since some fave icons are pretty fugly 
<laughs> yeah, they are. And some people don't even have them. And when you get the little three dots or something, I don't, I don't know what they do and what they put when a site doesn't actually have a Flavicon. And they put the name of the site too, which I kind of think is I, I, one of the things that I like about it is they put the name of the site above the listing because otherwise you'd have to kind of squint and look at the URL, look at the domain to see exactly what site it's going to. But now you can just look up and say, Oh, I know this company. Now my I case, like that about it. I didn't have it in this format. The way for listeners who have, Obviously, can't see what we see. <laughs> uh, what it's showing is the fav icon followed by the URL, or in some cases, the kind of breadcrumb look of a URL, um, and then the title of the page below. Um, well, they're not showing breadcrumb in the URL. They're showing breadcrumb in the brand name now. So, what's the name of the site? Uh, I know for all of our sites, it has our Flavicon in the name of our publication. It does not have a URL. So in the example I'm looking at, they show um, there's Ashes what did you, 2019. What did, you what did you search for? I'm going to look at the same thing. No, I'm looking at the example on Search Engine Land that they put in the article. Well, I'm going to look at search for SEO. Oh, fine. All right, I'll do that too. Fine. Um, <laughs> SEO services. It's not showing up on that one yet. They don't like it. Okay, SEO. it does. If I type in SEO services, um, I see the fav icon, then I see um, the URL. It looks, it's almost breadcrumb-like. Yeah, they've got the, the arrow. It's not an actual URL, but yeah, it looks breadcrumby to me. <laughs> and it's, not rolled out, it's not rolled out completely yet because I saw it earlier today with the flavicons and I'm not seeing it now. So apparently it's still ro rolling out. Pretty amazing actually that I, I, I see this stuff here first. Really well, I saw work. it earlier earlier today. No, no, I mean it might like be weeks. Although in this case, I saw the fave icon right next to the title. Uh, I'm fairly certain, anyway. I don't remember taking a screenshot because I didn't. I just thought it was annoying. <laughs> Anyways, it doesn't matter. The point is, uh, it is uh, an intriguing update. I actually do like the this breadcrumb look above the title, um, and mm -hmm. the fave icon. It's growing on me. It just took a long time. And I know, there is a place where you can see it where it's been for a long time, which is in news. Okay. If you, go, you, go. If you search, for, search for our favorite orange politician. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I imagine there'd be lots of news there. Um, okay. News. Finally... Um, we're going to jump here into, uh, or actually no, there's two pieces here. Google, structured data has no impact on ranking in web search. <laughs> Yet again. Yes. Well, it, it comes up a lot because there is some confusion over that. And there's a lot of SEOs saying that it does. And I think it's, and, and I don't, sometimes I think it's the SEOs are saying the right thing, but people are hearing the wrong thing. Like I've said that it, it has an impact, but it's, it's not the way you think it, 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 it well, Danny summarized it well. Danny Sullivan responded. He says, and to summarize it well, I think he says, in quote, using it may simply help pages that already rank well appear more attractive to potential visitors, unquote. It doesn't have any other impact. It doesn't allow you to rank better. 
Um, so, it, so I'm, I, I kind of disagree with that. I, but it could help you get saying. found, right? Like that's one thing well, too. So if you, if you look at the idea of the carousels, right? Carousels almost always appear at the very top of the page, right? Above position one or position zero. If there's a people, you know, uh, one of the, the, uh, answer box stuff, right? Carousels are always at the top. The only way to get into a carousel is with structured data. So yeah. if, if you count being in the carousel as, as being found better because you're at the top of the page now instead of position three or four, right? Then it does, it just depends on how you define rankings actually. Yeah. And what I'm responding to is the exact example here. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, I think there are many benefits to using schema um, or this markup, but in this example, um, I'll quote here. Uh, this week, a food blogger tweeted that she received a notice from Google which stated structured data for calorie counts had to be added to recipes. The blogger was under the impression that failure to include calorie count structured data would result in her content not appearing in search results, unquote. Uh, so obviously she got the wrong idea um, and Danny, and it became quite a bit of a, a little bit of a firestorm, I gather, got enough momentum that it, it earned well, uh, their they actually. Her, her, they actually did change the language and the notification in Search Console based on her question because it was confusing. So she got so it Good. was confusing when they read the text inside of Search Console. It made it sound like it had to be in there or it would impact rankings. Google actually went in and changed that text based on her question. Yeah. So yeah, and that has that has to happen. I'm glad they they do make those least. Minor changes that can have fairly significant impacts. So that's good. Mm -hmm. um, and one here, I know you're going to have a, a bit of fun with um, how to yeah. use guest blogging for natural link building. Now, this is an article on Search Engine Journal, um, and it's uh, by is it Kat? Let me see what's her name. Something McCoy. Uh, is it Julia McCoy? It, it's not Anne Smarty. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no for those that don't know, she was heavily into writing and link building. Um, well, she actually, she actually started a service that was very similar to TextLink's ads um, yes. back in the day, which, which basically was a platform to allow people who needed guest blogging and wanted to do guest blogging to connect. Right. And Google looked at that as since you had to pay to be a member of this thing as kind of a paid linking scheme um, because of Which the way was she had structured totally it. BS. But anyway, it was BS, but they, they hammered her site and hammered a lot of her clients. And um, it was a big mess in the industry for she's a good two or three months yeah. years ago. Um, yeah. But ever since then there's been kind of mixed mixed um, feelings about guest blogging. And if you're in the darker side of the hat wearing population, it's fine. If you're in the really bright white side of the hat wearing population, you're going to stay away from it. So uh, it just depends on what color your hat is. Yeah. And I mean, at the time there was uh, some private uh, groups uh, uh, that I'm sure you were part of as well that would, mm -hmm. you know, you'd share, okay, I need to get this kind of visibility for this client. If there's any way for you to work it in, that'd be great. And you'd kind of rub each other's, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. 
And it yeah, was I was going to say way. scratch, man, scratch, not rub. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes. So, uh, and whatever, you know, it's, it, this is all good content. So screw Google, whatever. Anyway, stuff just drives me crazy when they get all feisty about stuff that they, they created that market. So tough luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, they did. They really did. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, cre- totally they created thing. the link buying market too. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's all, they're just desserts. And of course then when they dish it back on us, it gets, gets me mighty livid, but what's new. (laughs) Um, So in any case, in her defense of this article, like her first thought I thought was, okay, first I knew you were going to have fun with it, but only in in perspective of, of the concept, you know, guest blogging has definitely become kind of a, a negative if you don't do it right. In her case, she kind of, I'm not sure I'm putting it the right way, but kind of put it, said it out of the side of her mouth because she said it was more of a way to draw attention to you, which would then people bring, bring people to your blog. Then your good content would be found and, and links would be built to it. So you're it's bas- more like basically saying advertising. The guest, the guest blog that you write is not your good content? <laughs> <laughs> or no, it's so good. The idea is so good that people go, wow, let's check out this person's blog. Because there's, she she ensures that you um, have a, a featured or an author page or an author feature um, bio that will st- state who you are, where do people can go if they want to read more of your content. That's a key part of what she says you need to get if you're going to do this. And mm-hmm. the idea here is to build that visibility and reputation so people come to your own blog and then you start to earn links directly. Now, what we both know is that <laughs> there's also the advantage of the content you're writing, having the odd link here and there that is better be legitimate and, and be relevant, very, very relevant. Um, but there's, that's a, that's not a bad thing either. It's, it's a matter of making sure you're being found in good places. Now in her case, she gives examples of, um, and I, and I got to chuckle out of this because I don't think many people would have this kind of luck. She said she got, uh, um, her pitch she she says be bold pitch the owner don't pitch anyone just anyone she says i pitched um and got on to uh what's that damn it where did you say this uh, huffington post by emailing ariana huffington <laughs> like well nice yeah i don't think that happens all the time but i get i get what she means <laughs> um Anyway, it's pretty well written. Um, you definitely have to read it with the filter on, I think, because there's there's obviously other links that you're going to build. She uses an example of how um, on um, uh, what's his name's blog. Gosh, I'm having a rough day with names. Anyways, um, Larry Kim he posted a, an article called "40 Amazing Places to Learn Something New Every Day" on Inc. If you look at the post, it's useful, inspirational, and downright enjoyable to read, she says. The result, it got more than 40 backlinks. Well, that's great. Of course, that's going to ink. It's not going to him. Um, And then I guess she's saying that, you know, this is an ability for him to get more visibility that will ultimately lead to him getting more inquiries or at least getting people to his site. Fair enough. Um, It's not the general idea for... Yeah, it's not the general idea of guest blogging just yeah. to make sure everybody understands this kind of stuff 
you got to be careful. And I, I, I think some of the things she's saying is really great. As long as you are do it right, do it carefully. Um, you know, I, I think the idea of she put mentions in there, making sure the domains has a domain authority of 50 or more. <laughs> those, those kind of things are like, no, that's not what you want to worry about as much as that you're, and she does say this as well, as, as much as that the, the niche market, that the audience is yes. going to be a shared audience. That kind of thing is more important than making sure domain is authority is 50 or above. Yeah. It has, you need to be considered an industry leader. The site does. I mean, um, has engaged mm -hmm. long-term readers and 10,000 or more social followers. I guess it's a, it's a good way to filter out sites that just really aren't going to be worth your time. Um, she lists a whole bunch of sites in this thing too, which is interesting. Would have been better if she listed the sites and her contact, but that's, hey. <laughs> <laughs> How could that backfire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, with that said, let's uh, jump into some questions here. Uh, we have one from Noah Lamb. It says, when having an e-commerce site selling medical supplies all over, does it still make sense to write for keywords and town nearby or brand name, product, and town? There's only so many ways to write the same thing with a different town name. Thanks. All right. <laughs> we've, we've answered this question or a similar question many times yes. on the show over the years. Um, you and I discussed this before last episode, but we didn't get a chance to talk this one through um, live, but right. I'm trying to remember everything you dealt about it. But. For me, an e-commerce site who is targeting medical supplies, quote unquote, all over, um, you're not targeting specific local search, right? You're not targeting using local search. He, he wants to take, you know, selling supplies all over means he wants to, and it sounds like he's saying, well, I need to create a different page with a town name for each product. And if you're selling stuff all over, even if it's just the night, the United States, how many towns are in the United States, right? It's a lot of garbage well, that's going to be on yeah. there. There's tens of thousands of zip codes in the United States. Um, I, th I think trying to take a local approach when you're selling nationally is really going to hurt you. I think you need to focus more on the products that you're selling um, and the uses of the products that you're selling, not the location you want to sell into. That makes sense. And if you want to try, like just test one, do it, test one or two. Um, and I'm not saying that I, I would ever want to do all of them. I think that's uh, folly. But if there are particular markets you, you know you want to just target a little harder, well, try it create that page um, about a particular, I wouldn't say town though, more like city, you know, and, and a selection of products. Remember, you don't want to be spammy. You're talk, what you're talking about there is getting spammy, significant spam. <laughs> um, so, you know, just see what happens, see whether or not that gets the visibility you want. If it does, then you can start doing some, some very targeted campaigns and see what happens. Uh, see if it's worth your while. If it is, then, well, that's Google delivering on something and you can then decide just how big you want to go. I would not recommend going too big. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, Noah. So the next question is from Carl Bush. What is everyone's thought on the, okay, we'd already talked about this, but I thought it'd be funny. Yeah, we kind of did. Yeah. What is everyone's <laughs> thought on the Google search page design? Moving the breadcrumbs above the result 
new font looks like an looks new fonts looks like and at what the new font looks like and adding the fave icon at first i was concerned but now after a couple of days i really don't mind mm-hmm. yeah so we've covered it but i just thought i noted that other people are also mentioning this and thanks for mentioning that carl i we i agree it took me off guard and i took a long time to absorb it i'm still shocked at times but it's, it's Long, better. longer than most everybody who just got it this week Hey, because I thought it was a (laughs) plug-in. It might have been a plug-in for you for the, you know, you're right. You had it before they actually released it. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) All right. So we have a uh, next question is from Ryan Miller. And uh, he says here. Quickly, just just to be transparent, Ryan Miller used to work for me at Advance. He then went on to Condé Nast and he's now a senior director of SEO at Yahoo. Oh, wow. Yahoo's still around, eh? Huh. Yahoo is still around and, and Ryan's trying really hard to make it stay that way. <laughs> I don't envy him. Uh, good luck, man. <laughs> to, to bring us lots of questions. It sounds like you get, you, you, we, we could help you out. That'd be fine. All right. Yeah, so we, we should, we should get him on the show and ask him about Yahoo. Yes. Yes. Uh, we'll try to be nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, says, I want to use Screaming Frog to map through a list of manually entered URLs to check their redirect map. And I know that some of the URLs may go through two or three hops before getting to their final destination or potentially returning as a error. Uh, 200 destinations is what he says, but I try not to make this too complicated. But um, is there a setting I can use within Screaming Frog so that if I manually put in the old original URLs, I can get to the final destination rather than just seeing the first 301 redirect? Hmm. Now, I'm not going to get into the IE thing, the example. That's going to really confuse people. Heck, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, even confusing I'll, to read. So. There was actually a really good answer. He asked this on our uh, Facebook page, or the group, I should say. And I want to find the answers because there was a really good one on there. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know off the top of my head, Ryan. I, I, I actually should have asked Scott about this, my senior SEO. He does this stuff all the time. Uh, he may have a, a trick to get that done. But like uh, John said, there's hopefully an answer. Okay, for so Mark Chisholm, um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, um, answered him in the group. He said, uh, make sure your spider settings are, are set to always follow redirects. Then it will crawl the whole chain. It's in the advanced spider settings. There is a, actually a redirect chain report in the report menu within, um, or, uh, with, within um, Screaming Frog. Um, it compiles once the crawl is done. So there is a way to do it in Screaming screaming Frog. And I actually talked to Ryan about this today personally and offered, because I know you can also do it in Deep Crawl. And I was going to offer to to run it through Deep Crawl for him because it's just a list of like 800 and some URLs. Um, And Mark Chisholm also says Sitebulb does a good redirect chain report. Sitebulb, I really want to try Sitebulb. I had it for a little bit um, as a demo, but I've never used it, you know, as a actual tool for clients or for myself. Yeah, we have with it. we have it um, a couple copies running, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed the reporting for it. It's very clean. It's very nice. Yeah, it's uh, a little more graphical than well, a lot more graphical than Screaming Frog, which I find a kind of a nice change of pace. Yeah, I liked that too when I was playing with it. Yeah. 
All right. Well, hey, thanks for the questions, everyone. Please do keep uh, posting them. We do appreciate them. It adds a little more content to the show and um, shows a little engagement. So on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Facebook. Have a great week and remember, remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. The holidays are doubly important this year, so make your celebrations doubly special. At Kroger, we've got a huge selection of high-quality meats on top of fresh, natural produce, like fresh, never-frozen prime-grade beef and our Simple Truth Organic Brussels sprouts, or delicious king crab legs with our private selection gourmet potatoes. Had to say that doubly fast. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.